hope you join us for the uh, 90s dance. I won't be rapping, uh, but I'll have a good time. Yeah, so the sermon title is A Mother's Love, and I, I put down here, and Anana's Love, too. So I want to give you the full context of this picture. Uh, my wife was eating a bowl of ice cream. And then you can kind of see what happened next. Uh, our grandson, Hunter, uh, realized that Nana had ice cream, and so she's uh, just providing some love for our grandson, Hunter. But you know what? That is the heart of a mom. Moms give, moms sacrifice, moms risk their life in the birthing process, and then you risk your emotional life, your sanity, and a few other things throughout the rest of your parenting life. I heard one minister say, when you become a mom, God takes your heart and puts it inside of that little child, and for the rest of your life, your heart is just out there living life in the world. And that's kind of a true way to put it. You know, moms, you're full of compassion and sacrifice and love and hard work. But really, it is no accident that you are that way as a mom, because as it says in Genesis chapter 1, You were created in the image of God. You know, I think sometimes because we know that God was revealed as the father of Jesus Christ. And and he says, when you pray, say, Daddy or Abba or Father, that sometimes we can mistakenly conclude that God is masculine and so female is something else. But way back in the very, very beginning of God's word, he said, no, I don't ever want you to go down that path because you need to understand that to be made in the image of God is to be made male and female. And certainly fathers and mothers, husbands and wives were wired differently, but it's all God. And the compassion in the heart that moms have for their children is simply a reflection of the love that God has for us. God is love. So when you live life as a mom, you're just reflecting the love that that you were made in, the image of God. And you are amazing people. The compassion, the tenderness, the nurturing. God knew what he was doing. When he made moms. And certainly we are all grateful for our moms. I have two points today. Here's the first one. A mom has vision. Now this is not, you know, the eyes in the back of your head vision. Although moms are able to do that. Uh, You know, I was reading funny things about Mother's Day. And it says, uh, silence is golden unless you're a mom then silence is suspicious. (laughs) I've told many a parent that. Kids are only silent intentionally. Uh, But this is not the eyes in the back of your head type vision. This is a vision for you. This is a vision for their children and a vision for others. A vision for who you can be, for what you can do. For how you can go beyond and what you can accomplish. 
See, moms live with that vision of greatness for every single one of their children. The fact is, in the heart of a mom, their vision is not deterred by whatever circumstances are going on at that moment in their life. But the vision remains because a mom always knows the greatness that their kids are destined for. And I want to read a really great story in the Bible about an interaction between Jesus and his mom. And it's in John chapter 2, starting in verse 1, that says this, On the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. So Mary must have liked a little Cabernet Sauvignon. And he says, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the wine that had been turned, or the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brother and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. What the Gospel of John records is the very first miracle that Jesus did revealing who he was. So what's amazing about this is since this was the first one, there had not been one before this. So how did his mom know what he was capable of? Now, we don't know. Maybe Jesus did spectacular things. And so she got to witness it. Maybe she was simply drawing from the message that the angel told her when she became pregnant. And all that she'd witnessed and the stories that she'd heard. The experiences that she'd gone through. Maybe she just knew as a mom what Jesus, her son, was truly capable of. But so she's aware of the scene at the wedding. It's a big party. They run out of wine. That's kind of a crisis uh, for a wedding in that day. And Mary says, we have to do something about it. And see, you know, it's, it, it's that way in the church. You know, you're a mom to your kids, but you're a mom to a lot of other people, too. And that's just the way it ought to be. You're aware, you're looking out, you're shepherding, you're connecting, you're like, hey, okay, what's going on in this situation? 
You're aware if there is a problem at hand. You do not go, oh, well, that's not my child, so I don't need to worry about it. Moms go, oh, that looks like a potential problem. I think I'm going to involve myself in that situation. That's just what the heart of a mom is. Okay? So she says, hey, son, they're out of wine. And I love Jesus' response. He's like, why do you involve me? Then he says something key. He says, my time has not yet come. So what he's telling his mom is, now, this was not my planned schedule for revealing my glory. He goes, I had a different agenda set. Maybe it was going to be next week. Maybe it was going to be the following month. Maybe it was going to be a different kind of miracle. Maybe Jesus had something in mind like, you know, I'm kind of thinking for the, the first miracle, I want to heal a blind man. And, and maybe that's what Jesus had in mind. He's like, I mean, you know, we're here at a wedding. Okay, they ran out of wine. They should have planned better. That was not what Jesus had in mind is this is going to be my first miracle that will reveal my glory. But Mary was like, no, we got a problem. We need, we need to fix it. And Jesus says, listen, my time has not yet come. In true motherly fashion, undeterred. She just tells the servants, just, hey, do whatever he tells you. You know, the implication, he's going to tell you to do something to fix this situation. You see, Mary had that persistent faith and vision that could persuade her son to do something. That could persuade the servants to listen to her son. And that only comes from the vision that you have for somebody else. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always hopes. That is a relational passage. That's talking about a hope in somebody else. It's a benefit of the doubt. It's a belief that God is going to work through you. It's a belief that you're going to change. It's a belief that your life is going to get better. 1 Corinthians 13 is not saying, well, you know, you just wake up every morning and you have hope. That's a good thing, but that's not what 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about. It says that when you love people in a godly way, you maintain hope for that person. You maintain hope through the 12th disappointing experience that you've had. You maintain hope in the 50th of the same talk of the same scenario that you've had. You maintain hope when you have been sinned against in that relationship, in that friendship for the 77th time. You see, true love believes the best, believes that there is a reason that today can be better than yesterday. You know, Satan fights so hard in our relational connections because if Satan can rob us of hope, think of what that's going to do between friendships. 
Think of what that's going to do between parents and their children or in marriages or in the workplace. If we stop believing that the best can still happen, what would the world look like? You know, when you reach that point where you lose hope in people, you have no choice but to rely on yourself. You can't extend your heart anymore because you don't want to be disappointed one more time. You don't want to get trampled on one more time. You don't want to believe that maybe it can be better only to wake up tomorrow and be disappointed one more time. Every parent can probably relate to some level of conversation where there's hardship going on with kids and the kids say, hey, mom. Just quit worrying about me. I'm going to be fine. And all a mom can do is, yeah, well, one day you're going to understand. When you love deeply, you can't turn off your heart. Oh, you can try and harden it. But a mom can never really turn off her heart. Why? Because she's made in the image of God. And God never turns off his heart. It doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter what we're involved in. It doesn't matter how bad it's been. God still has that visionary love for you. I'm saying that's the heart reflected in a mother's love. And you see it play out. Jesus is like, no, this is not my plan. I'm going to do it later. I'm going to start my miraculous displays later and she's like yeah no okay do whatever he tells you to do mary had a vision for what jesus could accomplish and mary said yeah we got a problem and i know and i'm confident that you can do something about it a mom has vision Say, how's your vision? Not for what God's going to do in your life. That's a different sermon. No, how's your vision for others? Does it reflect the godly heart of a mom? Or is it waning? Or have you lost it? You know what? You need to dive back in to your relationship with God. Because human love is not godly love. And we need to be connected to the source if we're going to live out all that God has in mind. But so, moms, thank you for being a great example of God's love lived out here on earth so we can all learn from you to have vision for those around us and to imagine the best in what people can do. You see, because there's all times that we will face in our own life where we don't really believe in what we can accomplish. And it's the faith of somebody else and what God can do through us that's going to be the difference maker in that situation. So moms, we say thank you for your vision. The second point is mothers stay connected. All right. There's a picture of when Mike and I were born. May 24th, 1967. 
Uh, you didn't get any fancy tubes and monitoring devices back then, even at two pounds, 11 ounces and three pounds, two ounces. You just got an acrylic tub. It's a little warming plate on the bottom. That's that's high tech in the 60s. So here you go. This is Mike and I born. And I remember mom talking about uh, what life was like as a new mom. And I said, were you scared? She said, yes, because the doctors and the nurses said, we're pretty sure Michael live, but you need to set your mind and your heart that Ron's not going to make it. So she said, that's that's what we heard from day one. And I said, well, what else? She said, well, I was not allowed to hold you at all. She said, we weren't able to feed you. We weren't able to hold you until you were released from the hospital. So Mike made it out in two weeks. I was in for six weeks. So mom said, I just was able to come to the hospital every day for six weeks and just look at you. And she said, I watched the nurses feed you with an eyedropper. That's what I got fed with. That was also very high tech in the 60s. Um, Every hour, little eyedropper. And she said, it was so hard to give birth and then not be able to be connected in that way. And she said, but I came every day just to be as close as I can. You know, and that's the heart of a mom. You know, there's some situations as a mom that you can do a lot about. There's other situations There's not a single thing you can do but pray and be present. And in John chapter 19, we read about the crucifixion account. And we try and place ourselves in that scenario. The moms maybe trying to imagine what it would be like going through that with one of your children. And it says in John 19, starting in verse 23, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. And this is the account where Jesus takes care of his mom, made sure that John was going to adopt Mary as his mom. Jesus said, hey, I want to make sure, mom, that you're taken care of. And he goes, John, I know you're going to do a good job. So they have this interchange. But what's so powerful here is... That Mary, 
wanted to be present for the sake of her son. You know, sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is just be present. There is no fix. There's no solution. There's no answer. There's no way to remove the pain. It's simply being present as a mom saying, I love you. I'm with you. You know, moms are are powerful in their ability to love through difficult times. Again, we shouldn't be surprised. They're made in the image of God. They reflect the heart of God. He's connected and he cares. You know what? It's so easy to want to disconnect through the hard times. And say it's too much. I don't want to feel this way anymore. You see, because a mom realizes at those painful moments that her presence is not for what it supplies to her heart. It's yet one more example of how a mom gives to somebody who's hurting. You know, is there any situations where you have detached? You know, sometimes we can stop answering the phone, returning the texts, stop getting counseling appointments, meeting with others who need help. Why? Because we go, it's just painful. You see, I'm thankful. For a mother's love. Because what moms teach us is, no, you need to stay engaged. You need to connect. Even in those tragic, painful times where there is no fix. It's just simply the love of a mother's presence in their life. Did I think about Mary? I can't imagine what she went through as a mom. Every parent would gladly trade places with a hurting child. Physical or emotional. Hey, just if I could just take it away, I'd take it on me so that you don't have to feel this way. And yet for Mary, she had to watch her son be beaten, humiliated, wear a crown of thorns, and ultimately be nailed to the cross. All the pain in her heart didn't stop her from saying, I want my son to see me. We need to learn from moms to be connected. When you go to Acts chapter 1, so if you just turn the page. So Jesus has risen from the dead. He comes back. And he's speaking to his disciples. And then in verse 12, it says, The apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. It says they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women 
and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Mary was connected through the crucifixion of her son. She was present. But even after Jesus died, they didn't understand what was going to happen. They didn't really grasp the truth of what the future held. And yet Mary is connected to who? Well, with the disciples, with her other sons. And what were they doing? It says they were they were constantly praying. Now, I think one of the things that moms know is they can't do it on their own. They need a source of strength that goes beyond the human element of motherhood. And Mary lived this torturous episode and then found a way to say, okay, what I know I need to be doing is praying. And he had Jesus' brothers uh, with her, and she was with the eleven. And it says they were constantly praying. Even after the tragedy, Mary had hope, a hope in her God. Where did she learn it from? Well, remember she had a conversation with an angel about becoming pregnant. She also was able to witness incredible things with her son. You know, some of the accounts say that the family at one point went to take charge of Jesus and said he was out of his mind. Yet at the end, when it mattered... Her faith remains strong and connected. You know, sometimes when we go through hard human trials, we want to disconnect from God. We want to blame God. Imagine Mary. It says, you're conceived with child from the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be the savior of many. They're going to call him Emmanuel. God with us. You know what? Mom wouldn't be just amazed by that. But it was also prophesied that her heart was going to be pierced. And when we go through pain, we can want to blame God. We can want to say, no, God, if this, if this is what you had in store for me, No. You see, Mary, Mary knew, knew better. And she said, oh yeah, my heart's filled with pain. She's grieving the loss of her son. And yet she did the one thing that she knew was going to help her. It says she prayed constantly. See, mothers stay connected Oh, yeah, we got to fight for connection. It's not easy to be connected. And sometimes we can say, if only the pain would go away, then I would be able to connect. Nah. Mom's got to connect whether it's good or bad. There's nothing like the motherly connection. It's being present. It's being in the moment. It's being available. It's giving your heart again. Willing to risk it all. 
hurt and disappointment. He said, I want to feel what you feel. I want you to know I'm here for you. A mother's love is spectacular. God knew what he was doing in creating moms. Because he said, hey, this way people know, here's what godly love looks like. And we see it in these episodes with Mary and Jesus. But we also see it lived out every day here in this fellowship. And today on Mother's Day, we need to draw encouragement from a mother's love. We need to be inspired by the example of Mary and how she was an awesome mom to Jesus. The influence that she had and the love that she poured out. And we need to take that example of a mother's love and we need to be determined. We're going to take that godly love and we're going to make sure it's reflected in our hearts. And if we reach the point where we hit walls, where we said, no, I don't want to go any further. I don't want to feel anymore. Or I've been disappointed. I lack vision. Never again. That we're willing to say, no, that's not God's heart. And it's not a mother's heart. I'm going to see people differently. And I'm going to function differently. I'm going to continue to pour out my heart. And I'm going to continue to believe the best is yet in store for each one of us. We're going to close the sermon by watching a video, uh, seeing the cross through Mary's eyes, and then we'll stand and close in one final song. Amen.
know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect land? The sleeping child you're holding is the grave. 